this is actually our first interview of 2021 due to um, some rescheduling conflicts and never let we are here. But this is also a special interview because it's something we is much needed with everything going on in the pandemic. Um, especially with everyone being sick, with, with every, those things going on, and mental health, you know, it's a big topic. So definitely happy to have you on and join us and talk about a lot of this stuff today. But kind of starting out, how, how actually are you holding up during this pandemic? I know you were just telling us before we start rolling the cameras that you you also had uh, COVID at one point in time. So how have you been holding up? Um, it's been kind of stressful. I can't pretend that it doesn't affect me in any kind of way. Um, just trying to basically hold up for the community is my biggest thing. It's making sure that my mind is in a good place when I go to work because I work three days a week mm -hmm. still in a hospital setting and also I do home health so it's it's a lot on me but I'm holding up pretty well um was you know was stressful having COVID-19 I can't pretend that that wasn't stressful a lot of questions and a lot of ifs you know ands mm -hmm. But you just don't know, you know, what can happen. And also being aware of things that can happen is the scary part with oh. COVID-19. So I know a lot of people, they've been saying, they've been having, you know, when you talk to different people, some people don't have symptoms, some do, um, with headaches or just a stuffy nose, or some people right. can't breathe. Like, what, what would you say were your symptoms when you, when you had it? I think I had them all. Mm. <laughs> I lost taste and smell. I had a lot of shortness of breath, um, a lot of body aches, fever, muscle aches. That was the biggest thing was the body aches. It was very painful around mm. day four. And I regained taste and smell. It took about two weeks. So, And some people still are complaining that they don't have taste and smell. So it just mm. varies from person to person. Some are symptomatic, some are not. You just never know. So it's a scary disease process at this point. Just not knowing what could happen, and, you know. Is it anything that you can take for it, or is it just something like you have to like let it just run its course? Before I was confirmed positive, they treated my symptoms, which they treated it like an upper respiratory infection. So I did have an antibiotic, and I had several inhalers due to the induced asthma part of it. But otherwise, they told me it would just have to run its course. Now, is it true that, because I'm not sure, like I, I always say, for me, I really don't know what to make of the pandemic. Um, I definitely believe it's real, but it's just like you hear some people test positive, some people test negative when they have the symptoms. So um, to me, it's just like, how, how do you... Um, I'm trying to figure out how to word it, but how, how do you think, how do we take these precautions? Like, what are the precautions that you, you guys have to take when you're at work? Um, definitely wear our mask. With When it first started, we didn't have to wear it, you know, so much. It wasn't, you know, mandatory at first. Mm -hmm. And then it became mandatory, and then it became a certain kind of mask had to be mandatory. So now we're up to wearing surgical masks, and depending on if, we have confirmed positive we have to wear the N95. Um, definitely washing your hands, um, hand sanitizing in between, washing hands, touching different things. But I mean, I wash my hands until they're raw. But basically washing your hands and, and staying, you know, six feet apart as much as you can in a hospital setting. I mean, unfortunately, being a nurse, you have to be you know, in your patient's right. personal space. So you just do the best you can and try to stay clean. Is there any way, is it true that you can, even once you have it once before, can you catch it again or are you still, are you not sure? Like, what do the doctors tell you about it? I was told it would be a slim chance of me catching it again, but that I could catch it again, but that I had 30 to 90 days immunity, meaning that I had, that my body had, since it had been exposed to the virus, that antibodies built up in my immune system, and so that would help me fight against getting it again, but it would be a slim chance. But, of course, that's not anything that I ever want to experience again, so I act as if I've never had it. Right, and it's, of course, like you say, you come in contact with a lot of people every day, so it's, 
Correct. Take a, a high chance. And also, I want to ask you, like, some of your responsibilities, like, as a, talk to people and let them know, like, some of the responsibilities that you have as an intake nurse and also as a mental health counselor. Um, when a patient first arrives in the hospital setting in our facility, which is a mental health facility, um, I'm usually one of the first faces that they see. Um, they come in, they get registered, and depending on how they were brought in, a lot of times they're brought in by the police or by ambulance because they've been committed to our facility, meaning that they are on paperwork by the state, so they've been brought in and they, it's mandatory that they get help. Um, with that being said, um, they have to be assessed. They have to have an assessment by myself or one of the other counselors to basically pinpoint what's going on and to get them to the best unit in our facility. Because we have several different parts of our facility ranging from diagnosis from depression, suicide, and to, you know, and also we have detox in our facility. So basically getting them to the best part to pinpoint the best treatment plan for them is, is our goal. That's mainly my goal. And then I communicate what I think with our physicians and then we communicate to figure out where they should go from there. How did you actually, um, I should, I want to ask this at the beginning, but I know when you tell me <laughs> about COVID, I just wanted to jump to that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, how, how did you actually get into this field? Like what made you want to choose this career? I got into psych mental health about eight years ago. I used to work at Generations Boys Home as a PRN emergency call nurse. And um, I just loved it. I loved being at the boys' home. I loved being around the boys and just getting to know them, getting to know their background. Um, they were kind of labeled as criminals in that particular facility. But the more I got to know them, I realized that, you know, the beginning to the end of how they ended up being there and that a lot of times it just was not their fault that mm -hmm. a lot of times it was through traumatic experience that they had landed in that particular facility to be basically locked in. So it became more of a ministry than anything. Mm -hmm. and, and so is it hard when you see those type of things with those, with those young men or even at the hospital, is it hard not to, you know, bring that stuff home with you because you see so much every day? Some days it is very hard because Number one, it could be your own family members. And so you have to think about that. And when I take care of any patients, I think of them as if it was my family member because I would want someone to take care of my family member the same way. So yeah, some days I come home, it's, it's pretty rough. Mm -hmm. And I mean, sometimes I do have to step out and maybe right. cry or have my own little moment, but right. it, it gets rough at times. Do you find yourself as the... Uh Speaking of family, do you find yourself like as the go-to person, you know, being in the field you're in and talking about mental health, do you find yourself as like kind of the, sometimes the go-to person for people like in your family to come to when like when they have issues and whatever they're going through, whether it's depression or anything else, are you kind of like that go-to person for them? Sometimes I am. I'm, I'm the jokester in my family. Mm -hmm. I crack a lot of jokes because I don't get much time off. Right. So when I see my family, I like to have a good time. So, Why do you think mental health, you know, to me it seems like maybe over the past, I want to say maybe three to five years, it seems like it's being talked about more now, like about people having uh, mental health issues and things like that. But why do you feel like now it's being talked about a lot more often than it was in the past? A lot of the superstars, I would say um, more of your celebrities mm -hmm. are coming out more about mental illness and I think that's the bigger picture that it's not everyone used to be sort of labeled as just crazy right and so now you know we have a lot more research and we can say that someone has an actual diagnosis now instead of just saying that they're crazy but a lot of celebrities are coming out saying hey I have certain things going on also with my mental health and so you know, they're all in the media and they talk about it now. Uh, Taraji P. Henson, she just launched a mm -hmm. mental health. She's kind of doing what you're doing with a podcast and a live mm -hmm. show. So 
it's becoming, um, you know, more accepted. I would say more accepted in society. You know, I, I was guilty of that for a while too because for so long, like when mm -hmm. I was when I was younger, I would think like when athletes come out and speak about it, or or maybe like somebody um, would kill themselves. Like, man, they got all this money. Mm -hmm. Like, why are they doing this? Like, what are they going through? Like, they don't. I like, I would trade places with them anytime, but. But you never, like you said, you never know. Like money, like as I start reading and doing, educating myself even more, it's like money doesn't solve all your problems anyway. Yes. And it just like sometimes it magnifies me. Like you never know what these people are going through. Like mm -hmm. family, because they have all this money and they have access to a lot of different things. Family goes to them a lot more wanting things, and you never know how that affects their mind. Right. You never know. But you know what? What do you think? Um, impacts the how do you think that the uh pandemic has impacted these people everybody's mental health is in a particular way it's been rough with um not being able to see people a lot of people you know rely on that social atmosphere right. to you know enjoy themselves um you know have that as a outlet getting with family on um, the holidays were difficult this year a lot of people had to you know pretty much figure out what they were doing even myself we, we didn't have a big thanksgiving this year like we normally do um christmas was a, was a little bit smaller but we had to social distance and just be on our p's and q's so you know, whereas we used to have huge family gatherings and all of my family would get together or, or stop by my mom's and different things, it, it was just, it was kind of depressing not right. being able to see your older family members especially to kind of cherish that time with them, especially during these hard times. And that, that's the one thing I, I was like, I hope we don't kind of get away from. Right. It's like, you know, what with the social distance and you know it's like you don't want to be away from your family but now it's yeah. kind of like now right now it's people like yeah. I don't want to be around you right now because I don't know what's going on mm -hmm. and I, I just hope for people like I think for kids for them it, it may seem normal because they, they haven't been around as long but for adults right. like we know this is not normal to you know it's like be distanced and, and, and away from family members so I definitely see how it can be depressing but I just hope mm -hmm. like this doesn't become like the new norm and, and people are just like this and for me like I, I said in the previous interviews as well like I, I just like the face-to-face -face interaction doing sit-down interviews right. like this instead of like virtual because it's not to me it's not the same it's like you don't you don't get a chance to sit down and, and build with these people and build these relationships and have great conversations like when you're doing it online like you can have all these technical issues anything like that and it's just it doesn't feel the same, like you don't get to feel that same energy as, as when you're face-to-face um, -face with these people. But are they saying anything, like are you hearing anything from doctors, anybody, like how long this could potentially play out? I mean, the vaccine is, I think, becoming a little more popular now because it's probably our last, it's our only hope, rather. It's a hope mm -hmm. that, you know, this will become... I say under control mm -hmm. because it's a lot going on. It's a high death rate. It's affecting a lot of communities. It's affecting everybody mm -hmm. in the United States at this point. I think everybody's just riding the roller coaster. We really mm -hmm. don't know. From day right. to day, everything's different with research and findings. And, you know, mm -hmm. of course, the media, what you hear, that affects everything. So I think everybody's just riding the wave right now, just... Hoping and praying that this can get under control and we can get back to a normal life. Speaking of the vaccine, uh, like I, I really don't know how to feel about it, and uh, I'll give let you know what I think about it in a second. But mm -hmm. how how do you feel as far as like the vaccine? Do you think it's because I know a lot of people they're skeptical about it. They don't know. Um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I know <laughs> some people think you know depopulation mm -hmm. and all those type of things. But but how do you feel about like the vaccine? Today was my first dose, mm. like an hour ago. <laughs> so, um, I feel it's our last resort. I mean, mm -hmm. I feel it's our only hope. So, I've, I've had the virus. Mm -hmm. um, I can actually see how if someone, you know, didn't have the immune system or 
wasn't as strong as I was, I could see how you could die from it because it was certain days where I felt that I would die from it. Mm-hmm. I say day four or five, I, I, I was very skeptical about whether or not I was going to make it. So I had feared my kidneys shutting down and different things that went on during that process. So I feel like I'd rather you have the shot than the virus at this point. It's very dangerous. Here's my thing with with the vaccine. I I don't I don't mind people taking the vaccine. I just don't want it to be mandatory. Like you must take this vaccine. Like that that's why I'm kind of like if you like why do we have to take this vaccine? Like because like you said, it's still to me this is still brand new. Yeah. Um, and it's like you hear different information, all type of things. I remember last year they were saying about the summertime they. The heat would kill it and and all this stuff, and it's still around. And then on top of that, been hearing things about, like, it's a new strand out. So if it's a new strand out, is this vaccine going to cure the the new strand? Or, like, how does that work? That's why I'm kind of, like, iffy. I'm not telling people not to take it. And for me, I'm not against it. I just don't want it to kind of, like, be mandatory. That's where I'm kind of iffy on it, like, as far as them saying, like, these jobs saying, yeah, you must um, take have this. Yeah. Have a job, yeah. Um, I don't know if it'll become mandatory. Honestly, the flu shot is not mandatory at this point, but right. people still get the flu and die from the flu, so I think everybody right. just has to make I their think, own judgment, right. especially if you know you have an existing condition or... Something that, you know, you know this virus could take you out. And mm-hmm. I think it would be a better chance or, you know, your best results would probably be from getting a vaccine. Because mm-hmm. I, I definitely think it's something real. Because like I said, I've had family that has it, that, that have had it in the past. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, I don't know. Plus, part of me is like, you know, I don't really like messing with needles anyway. Yeah. And those different type of things like that. So you you said you already had one dose already. Is it yes. something you have to take more than once? Or? Yeah, your second dose is 21 days. Mm. So your first dose, my first dose is today. So in 21 days, I'll go back and get my second dose. And, and that'll be it. What are they saying about it? Is it supposed to have, you supposed to have any kind of like symptoms or anything? Side effects, side effects or anything? Some people or? had some flu-like symptoms. They were saying like, oh, allergic reaction type things, shortness of breath, itching. And they did Benadryl and they were fine. Um, seemed like everybody did fine today where I was located at Greenwood Memorial. So mm-hmm. they said everyone's done great at Greenwood Memorial. I haven't heard anything that... Um, I hate to say that, you know, the media, of course... Absolutely. It's gonna if one person dies, then it's gonna be twenty. Mm-hmm. That's just how the media is. They have to blow things out of proportion yeah. because that's their job. Yeah, that's one. That's <laughs> one of the things. Like I, I, I try not to watch the news so much because yeah, it's depressing. And I, I, I remember one of my friends on Facebook said something the other day. Well, they don't really watch it a lot either. And I, I just comment. I told him, you know, one of the things my teacher always um told us in my media class, you know, if it bleeds, it leaves. Yeah. So anything that's negative, it's always mm-hmm. going to be the first thing that's, like, in the headlines. Definitely. So, so I just, like, if you – I try not to, like, let the news and all that mm-hmm. stuff kind of consume me so much because if you do, like, you'll really end up a lot of times, like, looking like, man, the world is really, like, a bad mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. But when you really get outside, it's not as bad as – of course, anywhere you go is going to be mm-hmm. bad things happening, but, like, just paying attention to the news – you probably want to stay in your house for the next in couple the of years yeah, so <laughs> until this thing really blows over. If it, you know, until they can get it under control. Um, one more thing about that vaccine, though. At the hospital, are they making it mandatory for you guys to take a vaccine? Or is it something like this, your choice? Right because now, you have to interact with a lot of people. It's our choice, but it's being encouraged. Um, at first, when the pandemic started, we didn't have many cases that were, you know, positive. COVID-19 cases in our facility because we take a lot of outpatient and we do inpatient. And so now we're starting to have more and more confirmed cases. So they're encouraging us to get it. They've made it available to us. We we can uh, register to get it at Groom Memorial. So 
it's up to us to take advantage of it at this point. Um, eventually, it may become mandatory, but from now, it's not mandatory, but it's highly recommended. Mm-hmm. What do you? What are some of the things I wanted to ask you? This also is when when you have a lot of patients that come in. Um, besides, you know, with COVID right now, like and working with people in health with health issues. What like? What are some of the main things that you see? Um, some of the health issues that you see with a lot of people when you um, when they come in to see you guys. Um, they come in with us all, all for mental health. It's all mental health. Mm-hmm. And if they do have COVID symptoms, they've. We've experienced, you know, what I've seen is a lot of shortness of breath, especially if they were already asthmatic, COPD, or, or struggling to breathe. Um, if they're too distressed, we send them to an all-medical facility because we're all mental health. Mm-hmm. And so, but um, mentally, the depression, suicide rate has gone up mm-hmm. terribly during this time. What do you do, like... For your mental health, like, what do you do to kind of, like, protect your mental health and stay with, like, a a positive attitude? Because in your field, I can absolutely see how it's much needed to, you know, maybe get some kind of break or do something to kind of relieve yourself. Because I can definitely see how it's stressful with everything going on. Even out before the pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. dealing with people and their issues then, but especially now with so much going on. Like, what do you do to try to protect your mental health? Uh, I was a traveler, so this has really <laughs> been getting me down and out, being right here only in the United States. But um, I've been doing some local travel, you know, social distancing when I do do some local travel, mm-hmm. going up to places like Asheville and different places local. I'm a shopaholic, shop online. Mm-hmm. I know when we were, we were traveling, uh, when we went to... Uh, we went to Tennessee. We was in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. To down there, they they seemed like COVID there, and when we went to Jacksonville, it just seemed like COVID didn't even exist because like it didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, it was just uh, like heavy people. Heavy populated areas. I, I can't hang out. Oh man, it was just like people didn't care, and like yeah. like I was saying before we, before we started, it's just like some a lot of people just don't like you to tell them what to do. What to do. So right. they're gonna be defiant, man. They were just walking in stores anywhere around, like yeah. No, no kind of mask or anything like that. Well, what do you think makes people um, so depressed today? And and I, I want to attack this kind of like mm-hmm. a, uh, a social media standpoint. How do you think social media impacts uh, that today? Um, we have something that we call um, false outlook with mental health. Um, I guess it would be more or less like if I'm looking at all the good things you're doing on social media, like you have your podcast, you travel all over the place. If I'm stuck in the house. I'm sitting and looking at your page. I'm like, hey, Carlos yeah. having a good time. <laughs> and I'm stuck See, in the house. I wish. <laughs> yeah. But that's they just, don't know yet. like you say, false. It just mm-hmm. looks like you're having a good time. And it's so easy to compare your life to other people's life when you basically to be thankful for the good things that you do Mm -hmm. have going on in your own life. But that's easy to say than to do. Mm -hmm. We sit on social media and we look at all the good things that some people are doing and we just wish that we were doing that. But you just never know what people have going on in real life. They may be posting because they wish they had all that stuff going Mm -hmm. on. Or they may have that stuff going on, may not be happy. You just never know. Everybody's situation is different. I was going to say, deep down inside, a lot of times those people that post all those things like Mm -hmm. they're um, happy or living their best life, a lot of times some of those are the people that's hurt the most. And maybe hurting the most, maybe lonely. And and we, we we do have a good time. We we try to travel, but of course we still have to take the necessary precautions. And I always right. say even even with the podcast, like it it looks fun, which it is. We have a great time, but it's still a lot of work. It's yeah. it's just not just right. popping up and just shooting something. Like it, it takes a lot of time and effort right. and and research yeah. to do these things. But social media to me is one of the one of the biggest downfalls. And, so, and sometimes I, I've even caught myself at times where I will look like man, this. Some, such and such like they, they have yeah and, but but man sometimes I, I remember I had a friend um that one time before um was t- telling me you know the situation with uh with uh their a boyfriend or whatever and uh 
just saying that she didn't think it was going to work out. Next thing you know, I actually seen her, like, posting them, you know, online, like, living their best life. It's like a lot of times these people put on these fronts just for social yeah, media. Right. Exactly. But but what else you think um, is something else that kind of triggers this uh, mental health and depression? Uh, especially being away from people. Some mm-hmm. people, you know, don't have many family members or, you know, the only kind of relief they had was visiting family members. And so now with COVID, they, you know, they have to stay home and they don't have as many places to go. Whereas they used to probably get together with friends and have big dinners and things like that and maybe go out to different party atmospheres. They can't do that anymore. So that's causing a lot of people to be depressed. Um, online schooling has depressed a lot of students. I'm seeing a big increase in children come in. And mainly it's because of COVID. Online mm-hmm. school has them depressed they're not able to see their friends and some people you know a lot of kids i mean kids don't drive and have all that access a lot of the younger kids don't and so that was the only way they could see their friends was at school and so now they're in different types of online school and it's very depressing for them um a lot of grades have you know plunged gone way down like from a students to making f's now so it's, it's impacting a lot. Speaking of uh, school and, and the young kids, like, what, is there a particular age group that you say you see more often than others when they come in? Teenagers. Teenagers? Teenagers. And a lot of it is social media driven. Mm-hmm. Like you said, um, feeling like other kids are living their best life and... Social media, it's a... Yeah. It's a, it's a powerful drug. It's... Yes. it's, it's it's beauty in it, but then it's a yeah. it's an ugly side of it, of it yeah. as well. Um, just have yeah. to use it the right, the proper right. way. Right. What, what so what what advice do you have for people with um with with um social I mean with mental issues or or they facing depression? Like, what are some like basic steps that you would give them and tell them to do like on a daily? First thing we do is take their phone. I mean, that will help a lot, <laughs> a whole lot. Um, having access to Facebook, Instagram, different things like that. It's just not what they need at the time. They basically need to focus on a treatment plan, getting better, focusing on, you know, what's the problem, what's the root of the issue. So if you're caught up in, you know, that may be your problem. The person on social media may be one of the triggers, may be the problem. So that's the first thing we do is take the phone. Um, and then people, you know, that's living in the world, they need to just log off. Right. Take time off. Take time away from it if it affects you in that negative way. So that's one of the main things. And, you know, learning to adapt to new activities. I mean, I've had to do that during this pandemic. I've had a chance to read and do different things. That Whereas I used to run, 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 and now I'm working from home two days a week. Mm-hmm. So I have time to focus on myself and do things that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Self-care, I think that's going to be 2021. That's the best thing because, yeah. um, like you said, a lot. Of, I know a lot of people, the first thing they do when they, when they wake up, they're going to check their phone. Check phone, yeah. And it's just like you really have to be mindful of like what mm-hmm. you feed and put in your spirit because if right. not, I mean, you're going to – it'll eat you up. Right. So, And I actually did that. It was one of the things I had when I had my own phone. You know, a lot of people, when they first open their phone up, they have all the apps that they use like right on the front mm-hmm. of it. So mm-hmm. one of the tricks that I did was I deleted off the front of my phone so I would have to kind of scroll mm-hmm. through That's my menu. Good idea. So when I did that, it, it triggered in my mind, like, do I really need to get on? Yeah, so, because I know, like, people want to get to something as quick as they can. So that was one of the things that I did because it was like, man, it would just drive you crazy. And then when you wake up early in the morning and you see somebody share a, bad, a sad story or something, mm-hmm. like, it would just mm-hmm. put you in a bad mood. So that's why I, I tried to, so much to kind of, like, stay away from that stuff because man it's like it's too much stuff going on i would love to see people post more positive stuff online but but you know a lot of times that type of stuff doesn't get the attention it's always something like feeding something negative right and it and it'll just eat you away 
but but do you guys have a hotline or is there any kind of hotline where people that people could use to where if they they're facing some kind of issue and they need somebody to talk to is there a, is there a hotline definitely um I, I, the best way i say is pretty fast 235-2335 but um yeah 864-235-2335 um you can get the carolina center 24 hours a day um, you'll reach one of our counselors first and we'll basically do a sheet to figure out what the problem is and take call sheet to make an appointment mm -hmm. to get you to the best place that you are. Um, of course, if it's an emergency, we'll have you either someone call 911, even if it's us. Mm -hmm. I, th I think, you know, when I say, when I ask that question because I know they came to us, it was a situation at another location where it was a gentleman, he actually killed himself on the job. And um, after that, they came to us and said, you know, if you if you need to to um, talk to somebody, mm -hmm. here's this hotline. And instead of waiting for something like that to happen with these jobs, I definitely should feel like more jobs should have something where, right. because a lot, a lot of times, a lot of people, they don't really like what they're doing. It's just like you know they're doing it, you know, to make yeah, a living. Make a living right. And and sometimes you go in, you got a, you have a bad day. Um, somebody may say something out the way to you. Like you never know what people are going through. That's why I'm always mindful of how I treat people, right. which I never disrespect anybody anyway. But it's all because you never know what somebody's right. going through. So I definitely feel like more jobs should definitely, well, all jobs should have something to where if you need someone to talk to. Like, they have some kind of hotline or something because, like, it's so much stuff going on. Like, right. like that gentleman I was just saying, like, he they said he went in and next thing, I, I guess he just had, like, one of those moments. And in in the parking lot, he he took his own life. So I was like, mm -hmm. how do you feel about it? Do you think there's something more jobs should make um, mandatory or something Definitely to that extent? some type of counseling, some type of outpatient therapy should be readily available. Um, we do have a a good, you know, pretty good contract with BMW, Verizon, those places, you know, they pretty much tell them if they have a breakdown, anxiety attack, um, different types of anger management, things like that, they do refer them to us a good bit. I can say that about BMW and Verizon. Who do you say, who would you say you go to, you know, when you need someone to talk to? Because all day you pretty much have to hear what other people are going through um, and, they tell you all this stuff, and I know it's a lot to take in. And like I said, I know when you're hearing some things that are not like great news all the time, it's mm -hmm. like it can, it can eat away at you. So who do you say you go to when you need to clear your mind and, and you know, put yourself in a better mood? I can call my mama. She's behind me. Right. <laughs> hey, mom. Big support system. My dad, Absolutely. I talk to him on the way to work majority of the time. We have our little time. On my way to work from three to about two thirty, three, three fifteen, because I'm always late. Anyway, <laughs> but um, yeah, and I mean I pray a lot. I go to church. Shout out to Macedonia. Mm -hmm. My pastor, I have a great pastor, Dr. Keith McDaniel. He's a, you can talk to him anytime. What other things um off the top of your mind do you think? can be implemented like I said you, I know you said the uh, hotline mm -hmm. um, what other things do you say can be implemented for depression like is there anything off the top of your mind that you think also could like help lower depression well um, a lot of my friends that are running different agencies now of course I've networked with different agencies and they're all about having workshops more awareness because like you said it's, it's been a big stigma in society and Everyone, especially in the black community, has just labeled people as crazy. And so now the awareness is coming out with different diagnoses to, to educate the community on what's really wrong with this person mm -hmm. instead of saying, oh, well, they're just this or they're just that. And so a lot of mental health diagnosis comes from trauma. And so getting to the bottom of everything awareness is, is very big now in a lot of different agencies and people just getting to talk about it how do you i guess how do you diagnose like how can you tell that somebody is like 
Madam Depression or something like is it one is this one particular thing or do you just sit and wait and listen to their story to say okay you you definitely yeah. have something going on um, how do you diagnose it I think sometimes appearance can be a factor if you knew that person previously but with my job a lot of times of course I don't know anyone that comes in so I have to dig mm-hmm. um, sleeping patterns Changing sleeping habits, changing eating habits, um, changing appearance if you knew how they look until up until now. A lot of those factors play into, you know, come to play with depression. So I a lot of times though I have to dig, especially with men, because mm. men see it as being weak. Right. And society has made men feel like, you know, you shouldn't cry. You shouldn't be depressed. You should be able to handle this. You're a man. Stay strong. You you don't have time to be weak. You have a family. You have to take care of your priorities. But um, a lot of times when men come in, they're at the end of their road because they didn't handle the problem early on. Is it it tougher to to deal with men, um, I guess, in the sense that the women, because like you said, men, you know, have to provide and protect. You know, a lot of times, like you said, you, you have to, you say men thought like if you cry then then you're showing a sign of weakness mm-hmm. but a lot of times man you you need to you know let those emotions out right. and for me i i don't you know i don't know for me i just i'm the type i guess i'm the type of person you know like i see things but like i kind of like hold a lot of stuff in like right. i don't like really right. express myself a lot right. and i mean i've had moments where i've shed tears and i, I cried but you know, a lot of times for the most part for me i'm just like you know I guess it's just like life happens and I'm just trying to keep on going. But sometimes I do need to step back and, you know, Mm kind of like reflect and, you know, do things like that as well. But like you said, a lot of times as men, you you just want to like, you know, stay strong for your family and and hold the fort down. But at times you still need that go-to person as well. So is it it kind of, is it tougher to get that out of men in those situations? Very tough. It takes me a little longer. Sometimes hours at a time. I just look at women as like nurturers, and like I guess right. you know, women are just always you know, more emotional anyway mm-hmm. than than men in these situations. So you can, I guess, they're easy to like more right. pour it out of. Like as far as like from from a teenage standpoint, are kids more like when they come in? How are they? Do they are they just like an open book? Like they just tell you all the information? Not you all the time, or? especially if the parents are present. They don't want to let their parents down. That's the biggest thing you see with teenagers is, you know, them basically trying to hide different things, especially with them coming into their own and figuring out life and what they want to be in. They just don't want to disappoint the parents. So sometimes they hide what's going on until we get them, you know, on the floor where we can actually get them alone and figure out what's really going on with them. I feel like that's... I always said I feel like that's a a tough spot for kids because, like you say, you, you don't want to let your parents down. Right. So you're kind of like doing the things that they want mm-hmm. you to do still mm-hmm. instead of like what you truly want to do mm-hmm. in those situations. So how is it, how how are those conversations though? Do you sit the the child down with the parent or do you separate them and talk to them and and are the parents more acceptable to them when you talk to them afterwards? Like how how do those kind of conversations normally go? I usually ask, do you want your parent present or not? Majority of the time at first, of course, they have to have the, depending on the age, have to have the parent present. But eventually, if I see that the child is very uncomfortable not opening it up, I'll ask the child and the parent, you know, do you mind, ask the parent, do you mind stepping out? And a Mm -hmm. lot of times they say, no, I don't mind stepping out because maybe you can get something out of them that I can't. And that's usually, you know, how it goes, and I usually can get something out of the child that the parent can, because like you said, they don't want to let the parents down, embarrassed, and they don't want to say how they really feel in front of the parents. So, a lot of times, I'll just ask them to step out. What are, do you ever feel like, um, like a? Is it ever a point where you may feel like you you let someone down, or you you what you could have done more for a patient? Do you have those type of type of moments and how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's a lot of times sometimes you take some patients, I say taking it home with you 
and you think, you know, did I do that right or or should I have done this or should I have done that? Especially when you have a patient that's, you know, that comes in and they promise you that, you know, they'll be back for outpatient and then they don't show up. You're like, should I have made them an inpatient or should I have asked more questions? So, yeah, a lot of times when that happens, I do feel like I didn't do my job or I should have did more. How did you actually do? Well, I'm going to ask you this first. Do you do you feel like this is your like your true calling, you know, like working in um, this in this field and, you know, talking to people and trying to get them through depression? Do you feel like this is like your true calling? I definitely do feel like this is my calling. Um, seeing some pretty good success stories. I've had some patients, you know, come back to the facility to say thank you or to let me know that they were doing well or, you know, or if they have to come back again, that, you know, they came because they knew I would be there. Right. So. And I know there's got to be a good feeling when, when you know, people want to come looking it just is. for you. Because right. they, they, you've been so helpful for right. them on their on their journey. Um, just a few more questions, and then we'll get ready to wrap it up. What's the biggest lesson that, that and I've been asking everybody this while we were on our um, self investment mm-hmm. tour? Like, what's the biggest lesson you've learned throughout this pandemic? Uh, family is very important. People are important. It's important to enjoy people because you don't know. Maybe you're here today, gone tomorrow. That's the biggest thing I've learned. Uh, being present in the moment. Like you say, putting the phone to the side. Um, take your pictures, but enjoy your family. Because right. you just never know. Absolutely. What's, what's the best advice you say you've received? Like, not just right now in this moment, like just overall. Like, some of the best advice that you, you feel like you received in your career? Um, to treat every patient like a family member Mm -hmm. that's the best thing and I go in with that mindset like no matter what's going on and I've had some irate patients so I've just had to step away regroup and just remember that there's some you know they are somebody they're somebody's parent they're somebody's child just to think Mm -hmm. of that patient at that moment to give them my undivided attention I know this got to be hard sometimes too, you know, when, when people want lash out. Yes. And I know sometimes you just want to speak your mind, but right. you know, like they're in there for for a reason. Right. So I know that's definitely got to be tough because right. we deal with people like this sometimes. Also, like when they come in, especially mm-hmm. when they 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 think they're right, like you can't right. tell them any wrong, them wrong, and right. it's just like man, sometimes you just have to to. To kind of like hold it in, even though you really want right. to. I actually, you know, this is crazy. Also, I had something happen to me a couple of couple of days ago. Uh, it was I actually was um, went to the store and uh, parked beside this car, and I was just sitting in my car. I um, sitting in my car after I left out of uh, Target, mm-hmm. and this lady, she actually, uh, she was trying to put some chairs in her car, and she said, uh, I think she was with her daughter or somebody. And she was like. I can try to get these car here if this jerk right here will move his car. So she was talking about me. And I don't I think she she probably didn't think I heard what she was saying while I was just yeah. sitting in my car. So at first I was like, you know what, I'ma just I'ma sit here even longer and just wait here. But then I was like, you know what, it's not even worth it. Um right. I do a lot of reading and one of the things I just read a lot of books and it just helps me out a whole lot. Okay. So, you know, and one of the things like I said, mentioned in the past, like the four agreements is like don't take anything personal. Um so before I pulled off, like I heard it, so I was getting ready to pull off. I just rolled down my window. I just said, you know, have a nice day, ma'am. And then I just rolled, mm-hmm. rolled, um, pulled off, you know, because at first I was like, at first it made me mad, but I was like, yeah. you know what, it, it's not even worth it because I could say something now, but then later on I'm like, you know, man, was it even really worth right. saying that to that lady? Because you, you never know what she's going through, and and for me that's not even my personality, you know, kind of like tear anyone down anyway so I was like you know I'm gonna just go go ahead and let it slide but you know it's stuff that happens to me too so but um my final two questions what are um some goals um that you have um for this for the new year or long term some goals that you may have definitely want to enhance my career on mental health um basically staying healthy 
That's my biggest goal for 21. Because right. I cannot get coronavirus yeah, ever again. I know. I, I just, <laughs> but, like um, just, yeah, just learning to basically focus on the career. And I'm still learning as far as with the intake nurse. I have, I've only been in this role about about four months mm-hmm. so it's different it's a lot to learn um like you say i'm the first face so it's very important how did you get into that role is it something by choice or is it something like they just referred i was for? asked to help out um just help out in that area in the hospital and my um manager at the time she said you know you're very good at this are you interested in a position but there was no position at first so I had to wait until one came open and then they offered it to me so because I could tell you were very uh, <laughs> friendly person even when we walked in like you very friendly oh, you spoke yeah. to us now tell me again um, where, where are you originally from because I was like I know like just listen to you talk I could tell <laughs> that like you're not from here like where are you where you say you were from? I'm from here. My okay. mom is from Jamaica and my dad's from Union. They met one summer in New Jersey. Okay. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and my dad married my mom in, was it three months or three weeks? Seven months. Seven, seven. months, excuse me, seven months. And, True um, love. My daddy moved my mom to Union and then they had me two years later, so. They've been married, married 40, 40 years. years. And that's yes, a, that's a blessing. Years. Goals. Goals. Yes, definitely goals. <laughs> that's, that's definitely a blessing. Um, like you said, for your, for your mom and your parents mm-hmm. to still be here, that's definitely a true mm-hmm. blessing. Um, like I said, I, even during this pandemic, I we, we had um, death in our family. Um, my uncle I saw um, right before he we went to Atlanta for an interview. And two days later, he passed away. Why? So sorry. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Like I we I, I said it a couple of interviews already. Um, it was just crazy because he he's from here, from Spartanburg, and you know he lived out in Texas with his wife, and then he came back, came back to see everybody, and you know he was making his rounds, going to see everyone, and mm-hmm. I saw him that Wednesday. He was telling him how everything was going. I was getting ready to head to Atlanta to shoot an interview. And shot the interview. Saw him Wednesday. We went and shot the interview Thursday in Atlanta. And then Friday, he died. So it was just like, boom, boom, boom. Like, back to back, it was crazy. So it was like, man, it's, you never know. So it's definitely have out. to cherish those moments. Um, exactly. Parents are still here. That's a blessing. So I'll tell anybody, um, make amends with anybody also. Because um, it's, it's not worth it. Um, whatever it is, even if somebody owe, might owe you some some money or anything, like petty stuff, right. don't don't let this stuff get in the way. Cause like in the end, like you know, stuff happens. Um, like I said, we like definitely family. Like those things are unexpected. Like you may right. think you're gonna see this person again, and right. next thing you know, it's in the blink of an eye. Right. You can't like, take it with you. Yeah, absolutely. You can't take all the money with you. You can't take everything. With you. Yeah. Absolutely. So my, my final question, um, this is another one that we ask everybody um, on the podcast that's been coming up while we're on our tour. Also, what does self-investment mean to you? Um, it goes back to self-care for me, taking time out to make sure, you know, mental health, physical health, make sure all those things are intact. On my days off, I focus on myself a lot. I go to different spas. I go to, you know, get my nails, hair, all that stuff. I make sure all that stuff is done on my days off. Um, they don't answer the phone in the mornings. That may make some people mad. That's but, um, <laughs> <laughs> on my days off, I usually start answering calls or finishing up calls for work. I usually start about 11, 30, 12. So that's just my time. Right. To reflect. That's so. the best way. That, yes. that, I would tell anybody that also. I'm not an expert, so mm-hmm. make sure you guys definitely listen to her. But but for just from for me, mm-hmm. just waking up in the morning, like I I do my daily reading now, um, mm-hmm. working out. Um, you just have to do stuff that's gonna feed your mind. Pos- positive things. Like one of the things I posted was like 2021 would be a great year this year, which I truly believe that. Right. But it's all perspective, like how how you look yeah. at things, like. If you if you just think it's gonna be a bad year, like a lot, like even if you look at last year, a lot of great things happened for a lot of people. But you know, it's those certain points where, where bad things happen where people just say, 
the whole 2021 was a, a negative year, like a terrible mm-hmm. year. But it's just all about perspective. Um, you just got to find something that you enjoy doing. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, one of the things I always hear, like, if you can't take care of yourself, you you go, you won't be any good for anybody else yeah. anyway. So yeah. definitely um, invest in yourself. Um, that's mm-hmm. what this podcast is all about, you know, a, a positive platform, you know, right. trying to encourage people, you know, to invest in yourself. Um, because at the end of the day, um, like I said, if you're no good for yourself, like, you won't be able to help anybody else. Um like at a job, like I said, we call it more than a job um, because it, it, if something happens to you, they just go replace you. So, so while you're here on earth, you might as well just do what you enjoy doing while you can because one one more, one minute you're here, then next right. thing you know, the only thing that's guaranteed is death. So I always tell people that. But Miss Barry, I want to thank you again um, for joining us today. This was a great interview to start off 2021. We needed to talk about this because, you know, mental health, like I said, was something that's definitely huge right now. Um, and it needs to be talked about because for so long that people, you know, had a lot of things going on and they didn't talk about it. So they just let all this stuff get built up to a point where, you know, they do something terrible. But I want to thank you. Before we get out of here, can you tell everyone where to find you? And also, would you leave people with a little bit of advice? Um, Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, I'm at the Carolina Center, um, 2700 East Phillips Road. It's in Greer. We're off Highway 14. Um, like I said, I'm there from 3 p.m. to 11 p.m., but we're open 24 hours a day. Um, best advice is to take care of yourself and make sure that your mind is in a good place. Absolutely. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, please take care of yourself. This is 2021. We promise you this will be a great year. Just invest in yourself, chase your dreams, um, and always support your your people when they're doing something encouraging. Um, Don't focus on the negative. You watch the media, watch the news. Don't let that stuff consume you because there's so much stuff going on, but, you know, things will get better. It's just all about um, having a positive positive mind and just pushing yourself to continue to do better. So until next time, keep chasing your dreams. Hope you guys enjoyed this. This is Cross the Line Podcast. Until next time, thank you for listening.